After two bloody outings in 1985 at Shaw Brothers, including a shaky mixture of light-hearted banter and comedy combined with grave violence, Johnny Wang attempts to address the balance by keeping matters light, hard, but not brutally gory. Flash forward to the movie after that and he starts hurting people again, using the heroic bloodshed template. My name is Kenny B, with me is Tom KW and this is the director's series 36 on Johnny Wang's The Innocent Interloper and Fury. Welcome back to the second episode on director Johnny Wang, an action filmmaker, and it matters going through the films of a director that did action because you find common elements and a vision within that. And his was hard, powerful, and uh, punishing, not flawless, obviously, as the first episode uh, displayed. Um, our opinions of this man is dangerous was kind of middling, while Hong Kong Godfather shows this showed this uptick in. Uh, in uh, the powerful and punishing and uh, gory as he, he exited uh, Shaw Brothers and Shaw Brothers exited the public consciousness in terms of film. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's, it matters to have Johnny Wang here uh, here in sort of full, uh, we, we do full examination here of, uh, of his work, even if it's not uh, laced with uh, tons of uh, discussion of themes and background notes and making of details. It's just Johnny Wang's... Uh, the parade and arena of violence. Um, that's that's all we need. But, but surely there was no coincidence that uh, four of these movies are pretty damn hard. Most of them powerful and punishing as well. But uh, as I said, The Innocent Interloper is this um, dip and experiment into um, something more lighthearted, which is um, a neat thing to uh, to uh, enter. So, uh, brief contact information for all your podcast on Fire Network needs, including the back catalogue of the director series and uh, the first Johnny Wang episode is in there. Go to podcastonfire.com. We're on all the expected uh, podcast uh, platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and wherever you get podcasts. And social media links are available in the show post for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, so forth, and our iTunes feed, of course. You can uh, currently get from 88 Films, uh, Armor of God and Monkey Kung Fu, not to be confused with Mad Monkey Kung Fu, but Monkey Kung Fu. I mentioned those two titles because me and Phil G here, uh, our very own Phil G of the network, provide uh, one of the audio commentaries for Armor of God and we provide the sole audio commentary for Monkey Kung Fu, which is a small Shaw Brothers film that stars in one of his few lead roles, uh, one of his two lead roles, I believe. Ching Su Dong, future director of Duel to the Death and a Chinese ghost story, and Belly of the Beast. Yeah, that was him. He directed that Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> so uh, that's um, that's out from 88 Films. Uh, Monkey Kung Fu is available in the US as well as in the UK, and Armor of God is uh, UK only, but you can get it from 88 Films and uh, the likes of Amazon, and uh, but in several places, wherever you get your uh, shiny Blu-ray discs. Mm, I was it was fantastic to you know such a lovely feeling to walk into my local HMV and see it sitting on the racks Kenny see uh, the podcast on fire name uh, on the back a uh, lovely feeling dude which is all well and good but did you buy it no of course not 
shoplifted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Straight, straight under my fleece. It's 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 a uh, twenty five pounds. Just you know, after all, you know, for a big deluxe set. So regardless, uh, it's very exciting. Those titles are out there. More titles are coming up. But uh, at the time of recording, these are the ones we know that are uh, out. Because uh, in uh, the days of COVID, even in a post COVID world, delays are still happening. So those yeah. are those are the two we're announcing. But uh, we're up to five in total. Amazing. In terms of uh, the commentaries we uh, provided to um, and for 88 films so that's my plug out of the way the logologs are a uh, an active uh, podcast that uh, are involved with uh, different kinds of podcasts and different kinds of people uh, getting uh, huge sponsor deals considering your unboxing <laughs> videos and stuff like that so what's uh, what's been new over at the logologs uh, compared to for instance the previous series oh the pre the previous series well we have coming up on season four uh, a lot of interviews a bunch of interviews with some really great people, people in in the biz, in the biz, in the biz. Yeah, we got YouTubers, podcasters, brewers. So that's kind of the main focus of season four. We've also got well, we've had a YouTube channel for a while now, but the YouTube channel is getting some content on there now. A lot of highlights, videos, a few unboxings, some old kind of uh, material, but also some new material so make sure to to watch that space um but yeah logologs.com for everything that's the main hub um and also logologs on your social medias come in come and join in on the fun come and join the party it's you got to bring your own booze though it's byob strictly beer keeps uh, flowing and the logologs keep uh, churning them out going on with a lot of flowing and churning for for sure but that's mostly me and Stu. uh but yeah come come and check it out we're still going uh somehow <laughs> and, and now is the point where it's okay to stop talking like you've done a very good plug okay yes we will place the bookmark right about here there Excellent. on the, the logs book because i know you have a problem with you don't know when to stop like is it okay now is, should, should i talk for 30 minutes I don't, I don't know. know what you're talking about. Uh, doctors, many doctors have looked into it. Uh, it's it's an issue, probably an issue from my childhood. Um, we're going to find a cure one day. We're going to find a solution, Ken. And just tell me when to stop, please. Tell me when to stop. Give a smack in the back of the head. Just <clears throat> quiet. I deserve it. Uh, very good. Check, it, check, check them out. Links are available in the show post. Uh, let's give you a rundown of this uh, episode on the Innocent Interloper and uh, Fury. And it's a rather basic episode. We have no extensive background. There's no special edition Blu-rays of uh, these two movies. Uh, but we'll run through some bits uh, concerning the Innocent uh, Interloper, its players, box office reception, and then review the film. And in the Fury section, we'll talk of uh, its box office reception and then conclude the episode by reviewing that film. So let's get into it. The Innocent Interloper from 1986, our prior episode uh, concerned two movies from 1985 and the plot from my review of the film. Uh, it concerns uh, uh, Huang Jiangli's character Paleface stealing a couple of money printing plates that then ends up in the hands of social rehabilitation teacher Xi, played by Lawrence M mm, of uh, Sex and Zen fame. Uh, the hunt is now on, uh, but with the help of Paleface, his because he's kind of a goodie and the tough character Hong played by Elaine Loy from The Bride with White Hair and Red Wolf and uh, Martial Law even. Uh, they now have a team that can hold off whatever the triads throw at them but again this is more 
lighthearted versus uh, the two cruel films and bloody films that we watched prior episode. So as I said, Shaw Brothers had ceased film production. Um, I mean, they had their uh, TVB offshoot, uh, their TV arm, uh, TVB, and uh, that was ongoing, obviously. Players could go somewhere, or players like Tielong could go to Cinema City and make a, a new name for himself, you know. So um, they, they, they sort of scattered in, uh, in film and TV, TV land. Uh, and Johnny Wang, of course, uh, had emptied the fake blood storage anyway uh, on the previous <laughs> year's uh, Hong Kong Godfather, uh, all smeared across the walls and uh, across uh, all the different stunt players. So uh, the man that is uh, dangerous who didn't really have a grasp on comedy in that film uh, and, and dark action combined, uh, he seemingly still aimed to deliver more accessible mainstream entertainment across the board uh, going into Innocent Interloper, but with a punch, like you uh, we had this agenda that uh, this needs to be powerful and hard. And the result was the innocent interloper. And one can only theorize that Johnny Wang crafted that challenge for himself. Okay, light, dark and hard. That can coexist, but maybe not violent. So let's try and set up the innocent interloper with a mix of comedy and action instead and see how that plays and see if I can even do it. And uh, while he did attract players uh, to do cameos in this, uh, there's quite a few. And it is 1986, the film isn't littered with the star power that would draw in audiences to the tune of 5, 10 or 15 million Hong Kong dollars. Uh, uh, Lawrence Ng was making his feature film debut here uh, after doing the rounds in the TV on series such as The Feud of Two uh, the Feud of Two Brothers. He was in the TVB series Sword Stained with Royal Blood. Uh, but in 1991 he starred in the successful category free film Sex Ensign. And uh, he has said in interviews that he felt conflicted about this soft core fame. I mean, it's a proper film. It's not a pornographic film. It's a very funny film, very creative film. But yes, it has soft core pornographic elements as well. Uh, but he felt it overshadowed his TV and serious film work. Um, but I, I think he's great in it. He's game for it. He's very fun in it. And uh, uh, you can also see Lawrence in Stanley Kwan Center stage. He uh, plays um, one of the husbands of Maggie Cheung's character. Very good role. In a comedic role, um, he appears in um, Hail the Judge in a comedic role with Stephen Chow. And he also played, and this is my favorite role of his, he played Dr. Lam in The Underground Banker. And to, to set it up a little bit more properly, Dr. Lam, the film, was based on the real-life serial killer Lam Goa, the taxi killer, the rainy night taxi killer. And they uh, depicted that in Dr. Lam. He was played by Simon Yam, and uh, it was a dark film, mostly. In The Underground Banker, which is fictional, he has a hysterical role. And I mean, funny as hell as Dr. Lam, because he ultimately saves the day. He moves <laughs> into the apartment complex that uh, Anthony Wong lives in, and he, they play up the fact that Dr. Lamb enters the room in a broody way. Hello. And everyone knows that. Ah, hello. <laughs> but ultimately, he's a hero. And that is so hysterical and obviously so disrespectful. Believe it or not, Wong Jing wrote that film. He didn't direct it, but he wrote it. Excellent category-free film. Um, and uh, Lawrence is uh, hysterical in that one. Co-star Elaine Loy here in The Innocent Interloper did the Hong Kong cinema rounds for a brief time, but always appeared uh, game in my eyes. And uh, she was willing to sink her teeth into action roles. Uh, and uh, that applies to this film. We'll get to that. She's in the first two Angel films, Stone Age Warriors for Stanley Tong. She's yeah. one of the Siamese twins uh, connected to Francis M in uh, Ronnie Yu's The Bride with White Hair. And UK audiences uh, got to see her, her in Yoon Warping's uh, Red Wolf uh, when that got a local DVD release. Uh, a sort of uh, Hong Kong uh, under siege diehard uh, clone, but with Hong Kong 
style action and she was uh, she was game as uh, one of the uh, she was the villainess i suppose alongside nice sing uh, in uh, red wolf so i was uh, like she also did two episodes of summer Hong's tv series martial law uh, Hong Kong Godfather's uh, Shumwai returns. Uh, Korean kicker Wang Jiangli gets to kick ass in a modern vehicle, and the Xing Fu On is here, etc. So the point is, we we love these faces, but there's no Andy Lau here. There's no Leslie Chung here to carry this uh, into top earning uh, status, and it only grossed about 2.5 million Hong Kong dollars uh, uh, across six days in the cinemas. It's 1986. If you're not profitable, you're out. It's weird you should say no Andy because I saw the film poster before I watched it and thought it was Andy and was greatly disappointed when there was no Andy during the film. It was Lawrence, um, I suppose, so that uh, rendition of him. Bootleg Andy, yes. <laughs> Uh, that year's uh, hits, if you know your 1986, uh, you have big hits like A Better Tomorrow that earned 34 million. Uh, you, you always know it's a big move and a big hit, but sometimes, yeah, 34 million, it really was big. It was not a 20 million dollar, uh, 20 million Hong Kong dollar uh, film. Mm. Aces Go Places 4, uh, Ringo Lam's entry on 27 million. Uh, Raymond Wong's uh, series Happy Ghost 3, where he plays the Happy Ghost, um, that earned 15 million. And the Aces uh, Go Places star, uh, the Aces Go Places Lucky Stars merger, Lucky Stars Go Places earned 23 million, and Sam Hung's Millionaire's Express 28 million. So, 2.5 versus all those. Uh, it, um, it it wasn't in the top uh, top 10. I can say that for sure. Those movies had the stars and uh, an established momentum. Obviously, some of them being series, and uh, and a better tomorrow might not have had stars going into it, but it simply blew up anyway. You know. No, it was a stiff competition that year, for sure. Very much so. That's the background info. Uh, in terms of my brief opinion, um, even though I wrote a few sentences here about the innocent um, uh, interloper, you know, he, he was two movies into his directorial career, Johnny Wang here, so and we had violence and a bleak nature to them set up. So let's take that style outside of Shaw Brothers and deliver more accessible mainstream entertainment uh, across the board, but with a punch. And he does indeed eject the brutal, distressing violence, uh, but he still keeps the hard-hitting fights and stunts, combined with a comedic aura. And it actually does not make the movie as much of a multi-mood exercise as you might think. I think there's a fun, relaxed vibe here that works rather well, combined with the assault of action. Features a lot of cameo, as I said. And I think Johnny Wang's greatest gift to this movie, uh, and to us, is Elaine Loy. She is incredibly game and skilled, um, coupled with excellent doubling at points. And she gets into the mix of fights and painful stunts like a seasoned pro. And I think Johnny Wang keeps up nice momentum for her and the movie all throughout its finale. It's a hard and light, move, hard and light moods uh, combined very well in this uh, uh, type of Hong Kong cinema outing. So it's an enjoyable uh, film solid not classic but very solid and enjoyable uh, so uh, what did you think as johnny wang stops uh, being uh, uh, he ejects the gore but he keeps the punch the, the punchy power and uh, a little bit of comedy so how did that play for you tom kw um i thought it was fairly dreadful i think it, it, it it's possibly one of the worst films we've covered on the show for me for, for definite being de- deadly serious for for once uh, if i if i may be uh, yeah, I, I think it was genuinely quite bad. I feel I feel like um, there's definitely an obvious um, attempt, as you were saying, to kind of make it a bit more lighthearted, but I, I don't think that worked in its favour at all. A real struggle to offer anything even remotely interesting. Unlikable characters, uh, not a thought put into really offering a cohesive film. And at 100 minutes, it felt like three hours, honestly. To tell you the truth, I had to really 
chip away at this one over a couple hours because I kept getting so bored with it. Genuinely had a pretty rough ride with this one. That's absolutely fine, but let's share our respective uh, let's share our respective notes. And uh, for me, for me, uh, it did address the, and correct the comedy balance versus action. Uh, maybe because it wasn't uh, punishing violence here, so he went in, Johnny, not discouraged by uh, after having made a shaky mix of comedy and danger. In uh, this man is dangerous, uh, so uh, but but it does offer up uh, stunt work. Uh, there's a chase. Uh, on a construction crane and these uh, stunt performers they go high up on that thing and uh, then the bamboo construction site foundation is cut so the stuntmen fall a long way and do you see uh, some pretty neat impact there's some pretty real looking stunts here so I think that's Johnny Way's uh, Johnny Way's Johnny Wang's way of signaling that he means uh, uh, business so stunt wise I, I extracted some very cool things uh, from it uh, i know when you dislike a film it's hard to extract highlights but uh was there anything that you remember like the stunt the, the stunts are on point or the stuntmen are performing admirably or i think the action wasn't too bad i just i just don't think it was compensation enough for such a kind of uh abysmal definitely first hour because a lot of the action comes in the the back end but yeah i mean i did see Hwang generally in the opening credits and i was like come on you know this is going to be good but even though he looks great in it offering um a devastating curly mullet and high flying kicks combo it's just not enough to save the film for me um i know you're saying about elaine elaine lou as well elaine loy and i and i, and I think she's doubled a lot but uh, i don't want to sound cruel but it looks like the stuntmen are doing most of the work in selling the fights which is a shame it kind of just took me out of the film a lot really when it came to the action i, I think I'd, i just sadly had already kind of tapped out by the time a lot of the action came came on but what you know what is there is fairly solid stuff i mean you know it's it's wangers it's it, it's going to be solid so he definitely delivers somewhat there but I mean, we're watching a Laserdisc version, but for, for me, it really did look that she participated to a fairly great degree and uh, sold it very well. She wasn't this sort of fragile action presence. Uh, but, no, her but, character but, was definitely tough, and I think that's what they were pushing for, but I just felt like with a lot of fights, yeah, there was just something there that just wasn't quite uh, connecting with me, and I kind of felt like that, or I realized that was what it was, is that it, it felt like the stuntmen were doing a lot of work. Like I, I just feel like she didn't look too confident with it or too kind of powerful and i felt there was some really good hits but it just felt like they, they weren't really earned with kind of what was going on right yeah that's why i definitely disagree because i think she she uh it makes sense seeing her game post this movie and i think it uh it shows here that she was willing to throw herself into it yes there are stunt people working here maybe even a female stunt double at, at uh, points here my favorable impression of elaine um extended back so to say to uh, to innocent uh, interloper you know the movie isn't particularly dangerous when Xing Foyon turns up wearing his pink triad bling not on his ear but like further up his earlobe like what, okay. what was that about stylistic choice is what it's about <laughs> it was like a, a clip on but it was on the side of his hair uh, side of his ear sorry for some reason for a large portion <laughs> of the <laughs> It was very interesting uh, stylistic choice. I mean, I, I enjoyed that. One of the, the, the few highlights of Pink triad bling. I don't think I've seen it in these movies uh, before. Pink triad bling. Incredible. 
incredible choice. So, so, so we're starting to get the light injected into it. We, we, we have some amateur Beijing opera here, uh, which is um, partially uh, performed in, in English by Shun Wai's character, capped with one of the lines being "I for you." <laughs> yeah, that was that was yeah quite interesting. Those initial. Uh... <laughs> So, so it's kind of evident we're we're transitioning into light uh, banter, which could be the kiss of death for for movies. I thought it was a it was amusing uh, here. Uh, there there were some dangers, uh, some very grave dangers of the movie going into for me, going into these uh, tangents and not um, finding its way out of it in the whole sequence that Wong Jing is in, the whole sequence where Charlie Cho is in, and it seems like it's this sort of class of uh, misfits that Lawrence is in <laughs> charge of. Uh, you know, Ch- Charlie Cho forces himself on a young girl by kissing her, so that's like pre-perversion and certainly not something you should do. Well, I was going to say, he's, he's looking a little skinnier than he normally does, but no less sleazier, you know, as you, as you alluded. It's, it's 1986. By 1988, he, he was in a movie with uh, Wang Zhangli, believe it or not, called Bed Companions. They weren't Bed Companions, but, <laughs> you know, it, that's one of the first movies where he really goes full Charlie Cho in uh, in many ways, you know, peeping and being, perming out. Uh, but, but the whole sequence of Wang Jing trying to scam uh, Chu Chiling from Snake and Eagle Shadow and... Uh, Kung Fu Hustle, that's stalling the movie quite a bit. It's uh, it, it's not funny. It's, it's not too good. dry. It's uh, it tries to be quirky and it doesn't really land uh, very well. I do like Lawrence into his film because he knows for he, he's 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 dorky, he's a nerd, so he knows that the arrow that's going to come at him when he enters the classroom, he knows what angle that's coming from, so he can sort of uh, uh, analyze that. Oh uh, yeah, you did it. It's coming from you, so. It's a, he's a sharp teacher of uh, adult uh, misfits, but uh, it's one of the sequences for me that uh, yeah, you're going to get stuck in 10-15 minutes of banter that doesn't matter, but he, he gets out of it decently enough. Uh, but um, but yeah, Odd and Comedic isn't his forte as a director necessarily, but it's more amusing here for me versus This Man is Dangerous with the irresponsible cops being all goofy and playing pranks on each other and shit, and then it ends like that. Yeah, I, I, I suppose. It's maybe less of a, less of a jump. But I, I do think that I get the same feel from this one as I did with This Man is Dangerous. It's just too many characters and too much searching for something to, to give them to do. You know, as you alluded to, it's just a lot of like different kind of like like sketches almost, like skits. And I think Shun Wei's character, I mean, apart from that that brief that brief intro that you mentioned with with the with the dodgy English, his character is so annoying, like so he, he's unlikable. pretty mean. He's pretty mean to especially to Elaine Loy. He's incredibly mean to her. And there's no chemistry at all with uh, Lawrence Sun's character. There's just nothing there. They're supposed to be father and son, and just, there's nothing there. And a lot of the focus is on them. Um, or big portions of the film uh, is focused on them, and they just—I just don't. There's any kind of chemistry there, and there's just nothing interesting happening at all. Because I mean, Elaine, Elaine Lewis, Lewis character, when she shows up, she's a bit cartoonish, but it's—it's it's kind of a bit of a a breath of fresh air, really. Yeah, you—you you think that she's a bit tomboyish, there's going to be something interesting going on, but same, she just gets dragged into the. The kind of shenanigans with these two and it just doesn't it doesn't generate anything really um interesting she, she manages to be the stronger performer without having exemplary chemistry i do agree with that but she she manages to impress throughout for me i i, I really liked her presses and the way she threw herself um, into the movie but but yeah make no mistake about it this movie has dopey humor and uh, immature humor of course i mean shum why 
has a shrine dedicated to his wife, which he obviously respects, but then he uh, flips that over so he can watch his, uh, and see his, uh, like, I, I don't think it's even Chinese pornography. It's like Western <laughs> pornography. It's like page three stuff, yeah. It's... So it's like okay, okay, that's uh, that's respectful. Like, uh, like I miss your wife. Like, uh, bless you, bless you, bless you, and then flip it over to the porn. So <laughs> it's it's not it's not great. It's not great. But I did, I did actually enjoy to see Shumai not being uh, the detestable bad guy for once. I mean, it's, he's sort of detestable as a father and the character, mm. but he's not this uh, conniving and scheming uh, character. So it's uh, it was nice to see him play. Uh, something else and he, he turns up in the next movie we're going to discuss as well yeah, briefly. yeah he does briefly yeah I know you said about the, the, the cameos as well there is absolute ton of them in this um, Bill Tung shows up as a taxi driver yeah they have a little in joke about um, him uh, on his uh, way to the horse racing or there's a yeah. horse racing joke <laughs> yeah. because he was a commentator on TV for horse racing which, which uh, is or was the only legal uh, means of gambling in uh, Hong Kong or betting Mm, so yeah. he became a profile. So they 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 uh, they tried to make it all audience appealing. But hey, you remember that? Recognize that? And uh, that's, yeah, that's kind of how I felt. A lot of it was. It was like you know, reminds you of uh, of kind of maybe better films or, or <laughs> you know different aspects of life that are not this film. But uh, Danny Lee shows up for a, like a I don't know a minute or something. Uh, tai Bo, uh, Michael Chan. Yeah, Michael Chan is a cat burglar. Well, there's like a cat burglar, which was which was good, but it's just not it's just not enough to make up for the lack of of direction. You know, the lack of movement. It's just it just kind of is is stopped dead in its tracks constantly. Well, well, well. That's where we differ. The way we respond to the tone he attempts here. He, he's not making uh, belly laughs type of humor here but the tone what was more even for me more amusing i mean even a michael chan cameo as age old as that is so uh, getting trapped in a in a house in on in mouse traps in uh, that involves glue and the actual rat trap as well but he has to stay quiet uh, but uh, <laughs> ended and, in a good stunt but that was that was about it for so me. Uh, and uh, yeah uh, very cartoonish and stunt as he um, yeah he I, I believe he was hired to try and retrieve the money plates uh, the printing plates and uh, and the escape route um, uh, ends up uh, he, he ends up on a bus uh, at the end you know so he's uh, often way as a as a cartoon uh, so having Shum Wai and Michael Chan here they're they're defying at least in our eyes being you know having uh, Hong Kong cinema in the rearview mirror, knowing their uh, traits on screen. The Shumway and Michael Chan are playing against type here, so I didn't uh, mind that uh, either. No, I think it, I think if I think if Johnny Wang was going for even, he definitely succeeded because tonally it's very even, but it's just incredibly boring at the same time. Um, some more notes on Elaine Loy as I have them here um, she, her versus the guys at the pool uh, uh, table uh, uh, I, I again m- movies are supposed to do this Tom we're not supposed to know that or rather we, we, should, we are supposed to believe that uh, the actor or actress uh, playing the character is capable of uh, the action that's performed here whether it's doubled or not uh, it might just be my infatuation with her in general but I thought she was present here in the various, you know, uh, takedowns that happens at the pool table with the trapping and the tying of limbs and hands and uh, they're, they're using pool cues, obviously, as their weapons here. And I thought that looked really nice uh, on her. And uh, I thought she moved 
with grace and looks comfortable kicking as well so you know i don't know anything about her background or if she even talked about it on the red wolf dvd but uh, athletically she seems ready for it and she seems game to um for this role she's also been game in future roles uh, sort of uh, hogging the screen chewing scenery like the wondrous Siamese twins in the bride with white hair you know she was up for that as well yeah. you know even though uh, you did mention that uh, there's no chemistry here I wasn't expecting classic chemistry nor demanding it but I did like little beats of Lawrence and Elaine getting on as you know dopey and nerdy versus tomboyish um, and uh, she at one point she uh needs to save face by uh, by playing her bodies her pool bodies and she tries to make it up to him the day after by looking like a classy lady in front of him which i thought was cute not broad but cute and uh, it's not classic uh, uh, classic two-hander or anything romantic two-hander but I, I, I thought it was cute and i uh, i'll take cute tom i mean I, I can i can see what you mean um i just it just felt a bit forced i mean a bit kind of unnatural um in that regard with those scenes between the two but um i I will say yeah the choreography you know was good choreography is always uh really good when um johnny wang is involved but it was just just her in general i just think the kind of selling it just wasn't quite there for me but some of the action beats that happened towards uh, the latter stages of the movie we got some um uh, we got some close calls in the car stunts. Uh, there's, a, there's a car that uh, slides mm. and spins and nearly hits Elaine, so to say. They might have had oh, a yes. double, double there, stunt. but still, it's yeah. a close call nonetheless. So Johnny isn't um, taking it easy on his uh, on his uh, <laughs> action team. He's one of three um, uh, action directors here, which makes sense because uh, he's the director as well. So uh, uh, you can't um, keep an eye out on every every facet of uh, filmmaking. Uh, that way and uh, but, but there, there are some cool uh, stunt team exchanges here flips and fall with speed and intensity it's all pretty fun uh, to me and uh, you know regardless how, how much she is doubled again it might just be like oh Elaine you can do anything it just might be that uh, for me and that's my fault but for me it was feasible that that girl can do these spin kicks and the doubling remains very good throughout and uh, uh, Angel did loom in her future and I, I don't remember uh, yeah. much from yeah. them other than their they have great action scenes but i don't remember how much she was involved but i i can just imagine that especially towards two uh, angel two that she got involved and uh, left a favorable action impression so that's something for me to revisit at some point the, the angel films i believe she's in the first two and not the third but i i, I may be wrong in that yeah i think you're right i mean I'd, I'd be very interested to um to revisit them too and kind of see see how she got on with those uh, mm. instead uh, was there anything in the latter stages with uh, Wang Jiangli as uh, he gets uh, one or two fights scenes here uh, with uh, you know pipes versus knives and there's uh, he, he does get to kick they obviously know he's a kicker oh man he looks great yeah it looks great in it and he gets kind of a one on one at at the end with the uh, the main bad guy and um, yeah that's just that's done really really well but I just don't think he's, he's in it enough to be honest I, I think I would have liked it if it was, there was more focus on him but yeah what is there in terms of what he delivers is is, is fantastic just just quick 
um just you know light lightning quick the scene with him versus the big bad which is uh, actor chan chuck fai that looks especially great as they wrestle and roll and fall into different environments and that's the only fight where it looks like characters truly want to kill each other oh man time. yeah there's, there's 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 definitely kind of um they want blood you know those two those two do and uh yeah it's just it's lightning fast and, and there's some good hits and there's some good falls and um it's just it's shot really well and uh yeah it's definitely i think for me like the highlight of that that entire finale which has got a lot of stuff uh different stuff going on a lot of car stuff and you know we've got a lot of people um doing different things um but that's definitely the highlight for me and you don't need to uh, make it a grand environment to stage your hong kong action cinema ending they're outdoors no no got plenty of uh, fields and grass to run around in and drive around in and uh, that'll be fine That'll be fine for 1986. Sure. Uh, you Definitely. don't need to do a build of uh, of any kind, you know. And, and even and even that uh, actor Chan Chuk Fai throws himself into that fight and into windows and such to catch our lead characters. You know, he's desperate for his printing plate. So I thought he left a favorable impression. If I'm not mistaken, he has like two credits, which yeah, surprised me. Like uh, it, earlier. this is a very viable and valid performer. So um. Whether he had uh, films from different countries or he was in films from different countries, I don't know. In terms of Hong Kong, yeah, it's just a couple. Very interesting. Yeah, the, the, the filmography doesn't mention that uh, he has a Chinese name, but his actual name and his nationality is, is something else. I, I, so I wouldn't know. I just like I just like the guy. So. Mm. No, he was great. He was great. Uh, I just have a few brief sparse notes. Um, uh, so I'm going to hand over to you to say, see if you want to and uh, and your notes uh, summarize or mention mention anything else no that's about it for me the um the one thing that um i find interesting i, I just feel like our next film you know not not want to spoil anything but it's just so much better than innocent interloper and i feel it would make more sense if Innocent Interloper was made before Hong Kong Godfather and then Fury came straight after that because it it just doesn't feel it feels like uh, Johnny's still got a bit to go in terms of filmmaking and he's just still warming up and he's still trying to find kind of his his tempo, find his groove in terms of uh, the filmmaking and what he wants to to deliver. And, and granted, I don't I don't remember all the beats from City Warriors. I haven't seen Bloody Brotherhood and ditto for uh, Widow Warriors in terms of uh, that I don't remember much. But my memory is that he didn't experiment with comedy uh, this uh, for, from this point on. Certainly not in Fury, certainly not in Angry Ranger. That was just kind of hard action. Certainly not in Escape from Brothel, even though it's fun, <laughs> funny that Billy Chow fights Sophia Crawford nude, but it's a dark <laughs> film. So. Yeah, this was definitely, I, I think, a bit of a blip in terms of his filmography. And I feel like, yeah, it would just it would get, get, get better from here. Maybe um, a noble failure would be, I think a good way of summing the film up. I was surprised that you didn't uh, sort of um, latch on to the fact that this was made by Always Good Film. I did. <laughs> but it wasn't, Waka Waka. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Frankie Chan's and Guy Lai's production company. So you see... Um, <laughs> I didn't want to sing to that low, Ken. Always Good Film. Think that level rather. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this one was not so good. <laughs> uh, furthermore, as we said, Wong Jing is here, but the writer Wong Ying, Y I N G, is someone else. He had a writing background in martial arts uh, novels uh, and passed away at 35, very young, and apparently from a stroke. 
uh, his novels was adapted into TV series and he directed three films including the wild and very fun supernatural romp Return of the Demon from 1987 mm. so that Wong Ying in that film, Charlie Cho turns into a dog, into a canine. Check it out. What else do you want? It's a very funny film. And one of those uh, supernatural romps that uh, that I liked, anyway. So, um, And yeah, it seems like the joke is that Xing Fuyon asks the real Bill Tung. He might be cameo- cameoing as himself. Why is driving a car? Shouldn't you be riding or racing a horse? So, <laughs> Because I found the movie amusing, I found the in-joke amusing, even though it's not a great bit. It's just, uh, Bill Tung, are you here to sort of like, let, let, let's riff on the fact that you, you do horse racing anal- analysis and commentating. So, absolutely. I'll arrive in my own car in my own clothes. <laughs> on my way to work. It, it was a fun On my way bit. to a jockey club, I can do your yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun little bit, definitely. He did a film um, later in the 90s that actually was about uh, the world of horse racing. Uh, B- uh, Bill Tung, so he finally got to do one. I uh, don't remember it offhand now, but I just remember, yeah, yeah, that script fits you. Yeah, I think we've talked about that before. It's uh, it's interesting. Oh, the inside track. I'm assuming that yeah, is. Yeah, well, there's, there's, horse, there's horses on the poster, and it's called the inside track, so I'm guessing that's the one. It's a little half-thriller drama thing, you know, not particularly goofy, not particularly action-tinted either, so... It's one of those um, one of those things that uh, yep, yeah, I'll sign me up for it because it's my world. So uh. yeah, well, he did one. He also wrote a film called Horses from 1978, which he <laughs> looks like he he starred in also. So that was one I didn't know about. Out of all things, uh, when it came to Inside Track, was the one of the roles that in Hong Kong movies that James Pax did. James Pax was was one of the funders in Big Trouble in Little China. Ah. Yeah, al- alongside Carter Wong, James Pax was one of those guys. So. Uh, Starting Remains of a Woman for Clarence Ford as well. So he had a little track record in Hong Kong cinema as well after um, after Big Trouble in Little China. Looks the same, like 10 years later. You know, impo- like impossibly handsome. <laughs> That's uh, cool. So, uh, okay, okay. As for the availability of The Innocent Interloper, it's turned up on home video here and there and throughout the ages, uh, including a Joy Sales Legendary Collection VCD, not a DVD. Uh, there's a bootleg uh, of it out there, maybe based on the VCD, but uh, really the most watchable option, if you can find it, is the Golden Cinema City Laserdisc, which we watched for this show, which met the criteria of being letterboxed and subtitled. Uh, but yeah, you, uh, those of you who want to seek it out and those of you who are fans of the film, one can, o- one can always hope for a local Blu-ray reissue in the future. But, uh, but yeah, it never came to a budget DVD even. So if you find uh, whoever, whichever bootlegger, uh, put it out, it surely is um, decent enough if you can't find anything else. So. Uh, but yeah, let's take a music break and then transition into 1988, two-year gap between Interloper and the next movie at hand, Fury, which we didn't pick for our Michael Wong coverage because there's so many to choose from. So here, uh, Michael Wong makes a stunning return to the podcast On Fire Network, him and his big boy beard. <laughs> I can't grow a beard like that. I bet you can, but I can't. So I'm, I'm, I'm in awe. I'm in awe of his skills. Skills, I'll tell you. Talented man. Very talented man. Let's uh, take a music break and uh, let's head back to the Airways of Love, therefore. Because it's a Michael Wong movie again here. (laughs) 
And welcome back in the second movie of this episode in the ongoing director series on director Johnny Wang is Fury from 1988 and plot taken from Letterboxd, Chick played by Philip Chan, Lucky played by Michael Wong and Chi To played by YC Lee and his ex-girlfriend Carrie M, uh, who uh, YC Lee's character is still sweet on but she's married to Lucky. All of them are aiming to make a score on a deal with a Taiwan triad uh, but um, Things take a turn for the bloody, because Chi To's cousin, who arranged the deal, sets them up. That's the heroic bloodshed set up for you. Now, Johnny Wang was working for DMB. That was co-founded by Sammo Hong, Dixon Poon, and John Shum. And that, of course, gave us films like Yes, Madam, Royal Warriors, also with Michael Wong, and Autumn's Tale, Tiger Cage, uh, Fervor in the Line of Duty films. Uh, classic after classic. Uh, Black Cat, and eventually they closed uh, due to a couple of distinct box office failures, including Black's, Black Cat 2, which I think is a more fun film than Black Cat 1. Johnny Wang uh, got to put the baby-faced stalker from Royal Warriors, Michael Wong, <laughs> front and center with a manly beard here in Fury, guns in hand and soccer skills, uh, <laughs> together with uh, YC Lee, Philip Chan and Carrie. Mm. And uh, although only by a small margin, it uh, was Johnny Wang's biggest box office hit at 3.7 million Hong Kong dollars, beating Hong Kong Godfather from three years earlier at 3.2. But uh, again, as we talked of with The Innocent Interloper, that number, that figure, was no match for big hits of that year. Uh, that included Dragons Forever and Police Story 2, both earning over 30 million. The Chinese New Year comedy It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World 2, the second out of three earned 25 million and that was a DMB film as well the Michael Hoy comedy Chicken and Duck Talk earned 29 million Hong Kong dollars and the Chinese fat comedy Diary of a Big Man earned nearly 20 million and to that I say very nice <laughs> another big incredible year yeah man it's just it's just ruthless you know putting a film out um amongst that you know in that climate amongst amongst those other films is wow and Fury played for like um, 11 days. So it, uh, <laughs> Innocent Interloper was out in six. So it managed to stay stay around for a little bit. Uh, so that that's that. No uh, nominations for this. Uh, I do like it. It's a partially distant and routine. But uh, this Johnny Wang directed heroic bloodshed entry ends up favorably thanks to its intensity. Uh, genre intensity. Uh, I think he sets his sights on the themes uh, running very much rampant during the time, post The Better Tomorrow. This is how sort of Hong Kong cinema looked and felt, and uh, the drama within is what they dealt with. It's mostly standard, but uh, performers YC Lee and Philip Chan do mean what they project, especially, I think, YC Lee is very good. He handles the conflicted yeah, state yeah. of his character very well. Uh, Michael Wong, who is dubbed by someone else, that's totally not Michael Wong. <laughs> Sadly. Uh, he looks good in a beard, but doesn't really carry himself better than that. Uh, uh, but especially, the beard carries him. <laughs> yeah, emotionally, um, he's not um, he's uh, out of his element, let's just say that. Uh, but uh, he's got mad soccer skills, so that counts, damn it. Uh, but to find... <laughs> <laughs> that just counteracts everything. Absolutely, does. five stars. <laughs> Uh, but to a fine degree, uh, Johnny Wang's uh, co-action-directed uh, um, uh, choreography uh, goes a suitably gritty and excessive uh, bloody uh, route. It gives us mayhem worthy of the era in a good amount of bursts. So um, it's a satisfying heroic bloodshed type of film. Oh, man, I, com- I completely agree. It, it, it's excellent. It's a little rough around the edges, but it delivers heroic bloodshed goodness in 
spades you know now we're talking this this is more like it now it's you know now the 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 the, the, the wang engine uh <laughs> has been revved up and now it's fully fully chugging away yeah for sure can you um you know based on four movies now do, do you see can you define this as his cinematic identity being intense and hard and powerful and bloody and punchy you know it it, it can't be a coincidence that he's gone for this sort of uh, impact you know Definitely. And I think he's kind of stuck to his guns with this one. And that's kind of what he's, you know, he's famous for and what he does. He does really well. And it's good to see um, a film with just a, a lot more drive and uh, and just a lot more going on. It's a really kind of slick film as well, which which I think really works for the for the for the genre. It doesn't really I mean, it, it attempts to get a little bit a little bit deep as you were saying, with that kind of Better Tomorrow-esque angle, which which, which works for the most part. There, there, there are some blatant Better Tomorrow beats here, but which uh, thankfully doesn't ruin everything uh, or anything. But, not. Uh, no, no. Okay, let's get going. Uh, we don't get a big boy Michael Wong beard to start us off, but uh, rather <laughs> the lack of poker face during a money transaction with YC Lee and Philip Chan, but it turns out uh, the boys are rehearsing for what's to come, yeah. and Michael Wong is just a wide-eyed and... Uh, Oh, oh. <laughs> I, I I love it because he's like super baby faced and super young, and he he's not supposed yeah. to be there. He's not supposed to be doing this stuff. You know what I mean? And and it's so amusing that it's obviously nowhere near Michael's of light voice, uh, but um, he wouldn't dub his Cantonese in post because he yeah, he's never really been super comfortable uh, speaking Cantonese, and he's admitted that. And I, I bet he didn't speak a word of Cantonese during the film because if it's not sync sound, he can just do it in English. I think sometimes it was bizarre. The subtitles were actually matching with with his lips, with what he was saying. It was like he must be speaking English because it, it, <laughs> there's a few moments where I clearly saw a few words matched. So I think he definitely. I don't think that English. was uncommon. Um, no, may, no, no, maybe the persons uh, doing the original subtitles, uh, these are new, but they're typed up from the original subtitles. The ones, there, yeah. there are some errors here. My, for instance, uh, in a scene where someone orders a hamburger, where she says there's letters on the bun. Letters. <laughs> He's been stamping them, that's all. With there's his, there's with letters here. There's communication here in, uh, in the hamburger. Uh, there was a funny one where they're talking about uh, Wisely's character possibly killing himself and they're like listen next time don't commit suicide i know you've killed yourself now but you know don't do it again please <laughs> please which i thought was a really good one we uh, we humans have nine lives so. <laughs> and so that, that was all good set up for um you know some good times that they, they seem well rehearsed uh, so they go to a club and michael knows how to boogie <laughs> mikey Giving it everything on the dance floor. I look. I gotta say, just just as a word of warning for next time, that was a nice jacket. And those Taiwanese disco floors are filthy, from what I hear. He was spinning on his back, kind of kind of violently. It's and a I, giant's I, jacket, whether it's uh, uh, connected to the sports team uh, or not. But uh, yeah, it says giants on the top. The colors match, so I assumed it was a New York Giants jacket, and I, I think it might have been dry clean only. You know, maybe a silk blend. So I think he just needs to be careful <laughs> where he's break dancing. It, it kind of, you know, it, it just made me feel uncomfortable a little bit because, as I say, it was a nice jacket. On the sort of serious side uh, here, I, I think YC Lee is a performer that gets flack sometimes for 
good reason. It, it seems a bit uncomfortable sometimes, not as charismatic as some of his co-stars. I think he looks particularly charismatic and handsome here, though. He's, he's great here, yeah, he's great. It's, it's like he's not destined for leading man stardom, I get it, but uh, his, uh, for lack of a better word, sort of emo outlook, he's jealous of Michael, he's in love with Carrie. Mm. He, unfortunately, it's a very horrible thing, but the character is weak, and uh, Mopey, he takes advantage of her briefly. Which is very uh, makes us very uncomfortable. Uh, you know, he kisses her as she's um, knocked out after the disco brawl. We got a disco brawl, and here's um, s- something that could have been very cheesy and sort of like a very um, you know middling sequence. But I think Johnny Wang's sense of power and hardness is uh, presented fairly early here in the disco brawl. So, what did you think of that uh, and, and its content? I mean, it's not kung fu. This is a brawl. Yeah, it was it was a great scene. It was a good start to the to the film, and and I think this scene, like the rest of the film, the action is just it's just so much better for me. The choreography is you know always solid uh, with Wang, like, like like I said, but this just looks a lot more polished, a lot crisper, a lot more of a snap to it. Um, and I did see uh, Tony Tam, I think collaborated on this one with Wang, who didn't do any of his previous films, but going forward works on quite a few um, of his films as. I think co-martial arts director. So whether that was, I don't know whether that came into play to give it that kind of extra bit of energy. But yeah, that scene in the in a disco is great, and I think the emotional beats it, it hits as well. Like like it's not stylized, uh, like it, but it's technically accomplished. There's lots of flinging into walls of uh, uh, stunt persons, uh, actors flinging flinging stunt persons into wall walls, uh, into objects. Uh, there's big, powerful swings by the main cast. They do as much as they can. Uh, Michael Wong looks, looks great. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, there's uh, someone kicks Carrie M's character and rather her double into a wall but it's a minimal at a minimal distance you know what i mean like the kick is done and, and the wall is like just a half a meter behind her or something like that yeah. and it, it's so, quite close quarters isn't it so a lot of it feels a bit more painful than it would be i suppose kind of over over a bigger space yeah so uh, that, that that's a really good like um okay we're in good hands this looks uh cool and good and uh, the cost is involved and uh, as i said if you think back on it it's it's all a better tomorrow for a while here. Uh, it, they are it's a sort of fake money operation. Uh, the business takes place in Taiwan, which it did in a better tomorrow with wisely and Long going to Taiwan. Long getting caught, wisely don't uh, he didn't, and then he uh, ends up uh, grabbing power back in Hong Kong, and uh, one of them goes to jail. So I suppose that means Michael Wong is the Tealong of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you're right. Yeah, now that, now that I think about it, I mean, it's they're not of the same level, but you know, he gets let out. He isn't greeted by a cop like uh, John Wu played a Taiwanese cop, and he yeah. greets T Long as he gets out of prison. Here, it's uh, wisely coming uh, to the aid of his um, to the aid of his old uh, brother, and it it's it's kind of nice to see wisely. He without spoiling it, he he isn't uh, the power hungry say this it doesn't transform he's still conflicted he still has conscience and in his eyes he's gone into um, solid legal on the up and up type of business while his partner obviously the character that richard chung plays uh, the, the cousin or whatever he is the loose canon uh, did you recognize him by the way um i don't think i, I don't think i did know had a mustache and you get the third uh, third guy in Hong Kong Godfather, as they uh, he he played a cop in Hong Kong Godfather. 
Ah, uh, oh, of course, right, yeah. So, of course. so he's part of the big action ending. That's Richard Chung looking very different without even a tiny moustache. So. Oh, God, yeah. Didn't he, I didn't even put two and two together, no? That's amazing. So he, he's the loose cannon. So I, I like that Wisely didn't, like, like, that's where A Better Tomorrow stops. So they didn't take Wisely into those uh, uh, paths uh, yet again. Uh, which looks good on him, and he's very good when when taking a lead role uh, at this time. He's great in the big heat, the very gory uh, action action picture. G- granted, again, the go- the gangsters here they're not they're not ro- rolling around in their Rolls Royces or limos or whatever. So I mean, they're they're one step away from ordinary folks. So that's where the better tomorrow differences uh, are as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think speaking of Wesley as well, he he had a great year. He did this Diary of a Big Man, uh, The Big Heat, and Gunman. Kurt Wong's. Oh yeah, of course he looks great in, uh, in Gunman. So uh, no, I've I've always really liked him. I think he definitely plays a, a certain type. He always got this kind of uh, fragility to him, I think, but always always kind of comes through with this kind of with this toughness as well. It's a very interesting. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a kind of um it's difficult i think for him because because he has got that kind of vulnerability there he doesn't fit this kind of action hero persona quite easily but from what i've seen he always he always delivers but there's always a little bit of kind of mystique a little bit of emotion to him which which i really like he gets um he's the one in bullet in the head that i think uh, registers less because he's playing with the beats of my life sucks i want the money and uh, i'm evil 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 yeah, conflicted. I think that's a good word. Like that's that's kind of how I always feel. These characters are very conflicted. But, but knowing his acting skills, I think he could have pulled off that role a, li- a little bit better, even at that time. It's just that the, the, that direction in Bullet in Hell, as much as I love that film, it's uh, it goes a little bit off the reservation and becomes uh, too monstrous for my liking. And that's where he goes because John takes him there in Bullet in Hell. So I mean, he's uh, but I always found it to be interesting and handsome and uh, good supporting supporting uh, character actor, and uh, he he's turned up in great dramatic roles post this. So uh, I've always ranked him as an actor, definitely. Speaking of John Woo, uh, just to give the listeners an idea, uh, is Johnny Wang doing uh, stylish, balletic, slow motion action gunplay here, or what's his um, deal when when it comes to action and and shooting? There's more of a focus on uh, hand-to-hand combat and stunts, but what gunplay is there is is not too shabby. I don't think it has that kind of balletic appearance as a lot of heroic bloodshed violence does, but it's it it's it, it definitely sticks to his style, which is kind of rough and ready, um, and quite hard hitting. Yeah, I agree. It's um, it's chaotic, but nevertheless staged with a purpose. Um, as for instance, uh, again speaking of a better tomorrow, as the cops uh, bust that uh, that uh, deal that's uh, that goes on at the beginning of the film, there is uh, just uh, loud shooting and chaos, but done with a purpose and staged with a purpose of uh, communicating that very thing, and uh, I, I think that's very compelling. Just uh, ear shattering noise, <laughs> you know. So that that works for me. That uh, gritty side of uh, Hong Kong gunplay, not uh, uh, there to. It's not going to look as a dance, uh, like a dance, and uh, that that looks very good on this movie. 
it definitely, as I say, it kind of blends well with his his style, or at least his style. Talking about Johnny Wang, um, blends well with with the heroic bloodshed uh, genre. But yeah, there's just I think just the filmmaking in general. There's just a better a better energy here. Uh, there's better chemistry between our leads. Um, if I'm talking about comparison to the previous film, it might have just been pure luck. I don't know, but I think there's genuinely a boost in talent behind and in front of the camera and. Um, as I say, yeah, I think it makes more sense for this to come off the heels of Hong Kong Godfather because it feels more like that than it than um, obviously innocent interloper being in between them. It it seems a bit doesn't really sit there comfortably between the two of them. He certainly got some nice support here in the acting uh, department. I thought I thought it was really neat to see Philip Chan in an extended role because uh, he he was content to, to often walk in in supporting uh, roles or bit roles as cop uh, as a cop yeah. here he's he's broken he's uh, disabled and he's obviously in no state to take personal revenge and he throws himself into that and i was ranked him as an actor anyway but uh, I, I thought it was a, a nice uh, detour to see him get uh, some 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 meaty material to work with uh, he's not this uh, you know wheelchair bound uh, hero bloodshed hero that uh, you know defies it <laughs> or anything no he can't he's completely weak he's out of it uh, and he has to use his son uh, to take revenge for him essentially but he needs he needs to be present and he is present in the movie in a very clever way i think including during the end they 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 managed to keep him there he's not a useless inclusion in terms of a character or uh, the acting stuff um, no, he has a good character arc, I think and, and and as the kind of alliances switch between um the leads he 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 sits there. He rides it out, and he's really good in kind of um, when his characters. Uh, he's he's kind of like torn between the, th- the three leads and his son, and it, it's quite complicated. But no, he he does really well, kind of when given that material, and it's nice for him, as you were saying, to have a bit of a, a bit of a chunkier role this time around. And, and even, again, speaking of Richard Chung, yeah, he, again, he's obviously the power-hungry one, the CD, the loose cannon, the maniacally laughing misogynist. But he he, he, he chooses he the scenery very well, and he feels very dangerous uh, uh, as a character here. So they, they use him well, so it's not uh, an over-the-top element that takes us out of the movie or anything. Further solid support uh, from uh, Ku Feng, uh, playing, I believe, the uncle of uh, Michael Wong's character, running a... Uh, Hamburg, ha- hamburger joint that I think is called Fish and Chips. He needs to he needs to work on that title. Yeah. <laughs> so so he's in it, uh, providing a good, uh, solid uh, uh, supporting acting uh, as he does. Uh, uh, some pretty gnarly stunts that doesn't seem like they're gnarly. For instance, uh, Michael Wong and the Bruce Mang character who plays the son of uh, Philip Chan's character. Uh, the latter jumps uh, off the docks into wa- into water as a car stops. Uh, Seems like they it has a wheel or two over the edge, and the thing is that looks gnarly because if uh, that car doesn't stop properly, it's going after the performer. Man, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's dangerous, dangerous, and a lot of these stunts, like great stunts, as well as the fight scenes littered throughout the film, and that's one of them. But yeah, there's 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 a few close calls, got a lot of close calls, and it just it looks superb on screen uh really kind of just just shot well and kind of well thought out they don't look well thought out because <laughs> they look a bit loose <laughs> just do um and a bit you know like someone's gonna get hurt but man yeah they just they look fantastic 
There's no Tom Cruise wire rig, uh, uh, you know, dude. over Bruce Mang as he jumps into into the water or any safe. Well, maybe a safety diver in there, maybe. But <laughs> possibly, possibly, if one was free that day, but I doubt it. He he's here to act, uh, Bruce Mang. I'm not familiar with him as such, but looking at his credits, it's not rather it is plausible. I think that he has a stunt background, so maybe he performed his uh, his own stunts. Uh, there, there's a latter stunt where his character jumps from this overpass onto a container truck that passes by really quickly. That stunt, if ill-timed, go at the right speed as the stuntman jumps at you. And if not, you're dead, essentially. Or you fall fall hard into the asphalt. For sure, for sure. He's involved with quite a few, or gets quite a few of like the really good stunts of the film. So I'm assuming that, yeah, he has kind of a background in um, in, in stunts, definitely. And comfortable enough doing emotional acting, playing uh, Philip Chance. Uh, yeah, son yeah, here, he's, so. he's, he's good. He's good. So, so, so yeah, the Johnny Wang's films feel violent and powerful, and this certainly uh, sets off a firestorm of uh, of uh, violence throughout. And uh, and certainly towards the end, that again they don't set it in a very refined arena. They're outdoors. Here's outdoors for Johnny Wang. His arena is there to create cool, chaotic, vehicular stuff for the end, whether he or Tony Tam staged that or not, because sometimes they bring in uh, people who know that stuff, even though they don't have the main credit. You know, Bruce Law yeah. sometimes comes in to do vehicular stuff, so maybe he was. But uh, regardless, there's some cool, chaotic, vehicular stuff for the end, some cruel deaths uh, for or of police officers, and rather a novel angle of getting someone so injured and incapable, like Philip Chan to participate in the scene dramatically because the brotherhood is not intact Tom but they are gathered and uh, I, I'm not going to say too much about the ending uh, other than because of the power of it the tone of it and the bloodshed of it and in this gritty location it doesn't need to be fancier in terms of a location and certainly not be fancy in terms of how it stays it's just loud and brash and uh, brooding and uh, people on killing sprees and they mean it oh, for sure man for sure it's close quarters and it's very tight and i like that it's a good idea to kind of have them um scrambling around the stationary vehicle i think it's a really good idea for this was two two vehicles and i think it's a really good idea to kind of then be moving around it and trying to avoid um getting killed uh, and i think it's just a really good idea i say you don't need a lot to craft a really fantastic finale which seems like filmmakers don't need a lot to uh, to craft a fantastic finale and it really really works and, and obviously you get that emotion at the end as well the emotional beats and it just it just all works it just as a film it just really works i i sometimes simplify when talking of how different makers make action uh, around this time i mean john had his style ringo had his style and kirk wong had his style and speak of the devil kirk wong is oh, here. yeah kirk wong <laughs> in a tuxedo yes he turns up as a sort of loudmouthed cop and disturbance for our main characters at a restaurant and he's corrupted corrupted scenes because he sides with uh, richard chung's character so it's kind of on on, on brand kirk is uh, here to be vile and uh, he's uh, happy to do it. So um, yeah, so 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 it's more of the Kirk Wong Ringo Lam style, but that's super simplistic. I'm just saying that it isn't uh, it it isn't uh, a dance, as I said. Uh, what Johnny Wang stages here, and uh, all the better for it. I think uh, he he found he found his brand, and he's sticking to that as well. Hundred percent, man. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, did you spot Johnny Wang's uh, bit role? Uh yeah, at the very beginning, he's connected 
to Richard Chung's character? No, I believe he was a Taiwanese police captain, as it turns out. You oh, know? God, yeah, yes. he's, the one that did the, he's the one that did the, the bus, led the bus, yeah. of course. He's got yeah. an eye patch for whatever reason. Does, yeah, it does. I was just remembering his, his very first scene, but yeah, he is involved in the uh, the bust of the main characters in the beginning. And Shum Wai plays a Taiwan SDU officer, so he gets in on the action uh, a little briefly. Uh, so um, the, the old gang is, uh, is still here. And as I said, uh, Richard Chung from Hong Kong Godfather. Blinker, you'll miss it part Shum Wai has. Yeah, he's not in it that much. Yeah, but he gets to... Um, participate in the action there at the top of the film so i mean these actors were available but i'm but i'm thinking that they they had each other's phone number so they can so like hey dude can you can you come down you can shoot a gun (laughs) a stunt that i also like there there's a house that explodes and clearly a stuntman has to jump through fire to get out of that thing oh yeah yeah not before the explosion, after it. Or during it. <laughs> during it, it looked like. It's very quick, but you go, whoa. Put him out and check for first or second degree burns. Death. quickly. Because <laughs> these things can go wrong, and they have. Uh, there's a movie after this one, the year after, called Devil Hunters. Oh, with, man. Uh, with Moon Lee and uh, Ray Loy and Moon Lee, and I believe Ray Loy or, and or even Sibel Hu. They sustained their injuries when that a similar type of explosion went completely wrong. It's in the film, they're on fire in the film, and then you see shots of them in the hospital during the end credits. Oh, man. It, that, that, that's a rough one. That is a rough one. It is a rough one, because one of them is just falling and he's completely engulfed in, in flames, man. And uh, they, they all uh, came out of it with uh, seemingly not uh, insanely serious uh, burns to their faces anyway. you know. But, lucky. Uh, it was really lucky that was. So uh, that's, uh, that happens. So a stunt within Fury that I just described, it takes a brave stuntman and uh, timing in terms of the pyrotechnics person on set, you know. Well, that's what we say. I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of planning put into it to make it look so kind of loose and dangerous, you know, but I think it you know, really, really works. It really does feel like that on screen. Okay, I'll, um, I'll conclude what I have to say right here. Very satisfied. I liked it. Uh, I checked my old notes because I don't remember what I thought of films. I'm that old. But it's, it seems like I thought the same back then because we're talking 10 or 15 years ago since I, seen, since, since I last saw this. And I still liked it uh, very much very much uh, the same, on the same level. So, hurrah. I'm glad. Yeah, no, I really, really dug it. A bit of a, a, bit of a hidden gem. And, I mean, I've, I've yet to see kind of the entirety of, of of Wanger's career, but this has got to be up there with with one of his best for sure so far. Because uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's fantastic. Yeah, as I said, I don't have clear memories from City Warrior, Warriors and Widow Warriors uh, other than yeah, I remember City Warriors being pretty damn hard. It starts Dick Way, so it's got to be. Uh, haven't seen Bloody Brotherhood, Widow Warriors. I just remember its angle of um, literally. I mean, it's the it's the focus on the women. Mm. Uh, taking revenge and uh, taking action, uh, be- being put in uh, in action at center stage. And Angry Ranger, I remember a fair amount of, and uh, it le- left a favorable action impression. Uh, very Daredevil type of Jackie Chan action, but not uh, 
it, it it's still sort of the Johnny Wang brand. Um, and Escape from Brothel uh, is what it is in terms of a, a, a category free movie about prostitutes, but it's a very cruel one at points and a very violent one at points. It is it, oh, there's a, there's a few in that in that list you mentioned I haven't seen, so I'm definitely uh, looking forward to to seeing them. I've got a few more notes on this. I really like the taxi driver esque uh, sax motif that kind of uh, is played throughout the film. Uh, I found it funny. Uh, Wesley's character is called Cheeto because we should have had Michael Wong play What's It, and we'd have the full spectrum of, of cheesy puff snacks then. That would have been a good idea, just, you know, just, just to jazz up the film a little bit. Well, you walked away with disappointment, clearly. I glitted. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked Ellen Chan's intro. It, it's like when you, you, you know, when you see a lady in a hard hat handling big tools and you think, I'm going to marry that girl. And I, and I think that's what that's what Mikey, the feelings of Mikey must must have must have had then. I was surprised they didn't bring back to bring back the forklift truck because it seems like they set that up, like drive that right into the camera. It's like someone is going to get impaled, but no. I thought someone was going to get murdered at that point, but no, that didn't happen. Sadly, but yeah, we still got a good. It's sort of her Ripley moment, I suppose. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're a Ripley in Aliens uh, walks around in that exoskeleton kind of thing. It was a little bit, little bit like that. Um, but yeah, we still got a good intro for our chance. So uh, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's, that's all my notes. Excellent. Well, uh, as for availability, it's not easy to Google this film. Remember, it's called Fury. But the film uh, did have a, a Maya VCD and Laserdisc releases, as well as a VCD and DVD reissue by Joy Sales. And it, do- it did turn up uh, as um, um, out of stock, though. Uh, on Yes Asia, no, so surely sad. it's not in wide circulation anymore, sadly. And the uh, truth of the matter is that I couldn't find a second-hand copy of it. I had a VCD, but it might have just been lost uh, in the shuffle. And uh, we had to turn to our uh, friend uh, Wong Gifts on uh, Twitter, because if uh, if anyone has it, because it's a Michael Wong movie, and he's done Gifts based on this movie, it's uh, it surely is him. So doing the lord's work shout out man. to wong gifts who uh, who uh, <laughs> beautifully captured uh, michael wong's um, soccer skills uh, in gif form here and added some new subtitles on scenes uh, with uh, a dialogue that might not have happened because he because he does that as well he adds uh, his own flavor to things i really so, hope yeah. so cool my friend let's uh, finish this one off and uh, look forward to our coverage of city warriors and uh, bloody brotherhood next so city warriors and bloody brotherhood with warriors angry ranger and even though i've watched and reviewed escape from brothel in a very old this week in sleaze we're going to include it in some shape or form because tom i want to hear tom share his thoughts on it so coming soon yeah what's this space looking forward Sophia to it. crawford nude i saw everything like that that's the end of my notes cam Okay, it's not very fair against to to what to the film, but fine that that's in it. So you're not wrong. To be honest, I won't have any other words apart from that. And again, I've interviewed Sophia. I did not ask about that scene because I'm a gentleman and I won't. I did it. Not even all fair. That's how Ken started the email uh, that he sent to her initially to <laughs> to initiate the, <laughs> those interviews. No, I'm, a, I'm a good boy. I don't do these things. That's what editing is for before you send your email. Thank God. Thank God for editing. Yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, uh, I I did ask off the cuff when we were talking about the variety of movies she was in. And I was like, uh, can you rewatch any of your stuff to sort of spot like I did good here? uh, That developed my skills and so forth. And she said, well, 
yeah, but some of the things I did were kind of dodgy. I know how to read between the lines, believe it or not. Say no more. <laughs> well done. For all your Podcast on Fire network needs, including the back catalog of the Director series, go to podcastonfire.com. Check us out on all the podcast platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and wherever you find podcasts. Social media links and relevant links uh, connected to this episode are on the site and in the show post. So I'm going to hand over to Tom for a plug of his beer podcast co-hosted with uh, the founder of this whole shebang pod- yeah, podcast device do it Sutherland, and you do a beer podcast so where can listeners find that we do the logologs.com is the website uh youtube the logologs um instagram twitter the logologs uh, i don't think i mentioned it earlier but yes it is available on all your on all good streaming platforms and also some some terrible ones as well so uh, whatever you may use will probably be there polluting the airways well as long as there's no covid19 disinformation on uh, your show then you're good there might be a little bit i don't know yeah we haven't decided whether we want to take cured. i don't know let's try look, 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 look. yeah i feel cured i feel pretty good actually <laughs> we might take it in that direction we don't know yet but yeah if you do like beer check it out let me know what you think. Write me a letter. Put the letter on a bun. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, put the letter on a bun and just send it in the post. I've been hearing too many good things recently, so some you know, bad things would, would help balance it out. Well, we'll be back for a new episode of the Director's uh, Series as uh, soon as we can. So thank you for following us uh, so far, and uh, we'll uh, come back with uh, City Warriors and... Maybe both of us, uh, I don't know if you... I mean, with a title like Bloody Brotherhood, you can't really say for sure, have I watched that? <laughs> because, sure. you know, I but, but I know I have. I don't know, I don't know. But I know I have. I think Andy Lau is in it. So that's all I know. And there's a good chance he is actually in it. You know, I, I can say that about any movie in 1989. I think Andy Lau is in it. Well, just make sure to check the cast list and not look at the poster. Let's finish this one off. Thank you, Tom. And uh, I've been Kennedy, and with me was Tom K.W. of the director series of and of the Logalogs. It's been a pleasure, as always, Ken. Good to be back. Um, and yeah, thank, thanks, thanks for having me. See you all soon. <laughs> <laughs>